You know, God is faithful. Uh, he is, is always faithful. And this faithful God has chosen uh, to work through people, to use people. So whenever you don't see God working, it's not because God's not faithful. It's because the people who he wants to work through and the people who he has chosen were not as faithful as we should be. And uh, revival is when God's people return to faithfulness, to the faithful God. And that's what we need. That's, that's what we need in our lives. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to say that you're faithful, uh, but are we bearing the fruit of faithful lives? That, that's the issue. That's the key. Because God has made it very clear what a faithful life looks like and the impact that faithful lives can have. And I tell you what, those faithful lives, they, they are roadblocks for people that are on the road to hell and pointing them in a different direction to Jesus where they're, uh, as they live out of that, that servant life, as they dedicate their life uh, to the, the Holy Scriptures, as they are filled by the Holy Spirit of God, as they are men and women of prayer, those are the barriers that we've already looked at. And this morning we're looking at uh, the roadblock of the gospel, uh, the gospel itself, the gospel message. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, uh, Paul says, I am, and not just he is, but we all are, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. He's talking about lost people there. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We've been singing about that faith. We've been encouraged this morning already in our faith. And we need to receive this word that God has for us today by faith. We are talking about the gospel this morning. The gospel simply means the good news. It is the good news about Jesus Christ, that he does love us, that he does care for us, that he does come to us. It is the good news about the cross, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, uh, that he paid the price, he took our punishment there on the cross, and it is the good news of salvation, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And by the way, though, it's not good news if people don't hear it. You know, it's one thing to say this is good news, but if somebody is out there in sin and lost and they don't hear the good news, it's not good news for them. And so the good news is meant to be proclaimed. The good news is meant to be shared. You, they need to, to know the news that G, of what Jesus has done for them and for us. Now, some will say that when we talk about the roadblock of the gospel, say, you know, when we started this series on roadblocks, why are you already getting to the gospel? Matter of fact, you could have just said there's one roadblock and it is the gospel. And, and that, that is true. And there, there are even instances where God uses weak and God uses uh, um, 
messed up uh, preaching and messed up preachers and, and messed up people to still get the gospel to those that need to hear the gospel. There, there is true, but the Bible also says that, listen to me, faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of the Lord, by hearing, and when you're talking about saving faith, it comes through hearing the gospel. And the problem that we're dealing with, especially in, in the American culture that we live in today, is that there are a lot of lost people out there who will not listen to the gospel because the people proclaiming the gospel are not living according to the gospel. That's why, we, that's why we talked about service. The gospel is more effective and we will, will be listened to more readily when it comes from the heart of a servant who truly cares about the person he's sharing with. The gospel is more effective and will be more readily listened to when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God and sharing the love of the Holy Spirit of God with others. The Bible will... will People, I mean, the gospel, people will listen to the gospel more readily when there have been people praying for them and God has, through prayer, has been softening their soul, getting the soil of their heart ready to receive that seed. The gospel is used with, with all of these things. You see, we as, a, as, as Christians, we, we think that once we get saved, that, that's it. And once you get saved, that, that is your eternal life is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Once you give your life to Jesus, that is true. But that's not it. We have a work to do now that we've been saved. The, the church is not supposed to be a cruise ship where we just get on and, and try to make our lives more comfortable and have a lot of fun. We're not, by the way, we're not a battleship either trying to destroy everything around us. Now, there is a battle. There is a war that is going on. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, though. We wrestle with these spiritual principles. Let me tell you what the church is supposed to be. We are a lifeboat. We are a rescue ship. We're, we're the Coast Guard. Not fighting the enemy, but rescuing those that are drowning, those that are, that are headed to hell, those that are, are, are perishing. We're to rescue the perishing. That's what we're called to do. And as long as we're here on this earth, that will be our job. We're to be roadblocks on the road to hell, pointing people to Jesus Christ, throwing the life preserver of the gospel to them, the lifesaver of the gospel. So what is the gospel? Let's talk about this in this passage in Romans 1, 14 through 17. First of all, the gospel is this. The gospel is what Jesus did. Now I said we're going to talk about it in Romans chapter 1, but I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because that's where Paul lays out the gospel in what Jesus did. When he talks about this gospel, he explains in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 what that gospel is, what Jesus did, because the gospel is what Jesus did. It's not the message of a preacher. You don't have to have a preacher behind the pulpit preaching the gospel. And by the way, every preacher behind the pulpit ought to be preaching the gospel, but every believer in Jesus Christ ought to be sharing the gospel with the lost people around them. Because the gospel is not some prepared sermon. The gospel is what Jesus did. It's simply sharing the story, sharing the truth of what Jesus did. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
In verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you. Paul is saying, this is the gospel I preached in Corinth, the same gospel that he preached in Rome, the same gospel that he preached in Ephesus, same gospel he preached everywhere. He says, which also you received and in which you stand. In other words, it saved them. And this is what they put their faith in, this truth. And who, uh, the person of this truth as well. He says, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And then here it comes, verse 3. It says, for I have delivered to you first of all that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus did. Christ died. That's what he says there in verse 3. When he was there on the cross, his heart stopped. Breath left his body. The blood stopped flowing in his life. He turned cold. He actually died there on the cross. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus truly died there on the cross. It says that Christ died. He died for our sins. He wasn't dying for his sins. He wasn't paying the price for his sins because he had no sins. Every moment, every second of Jesus' life here on this earth, he did exactly what the Father wanted him to do and he did it out of a heart of pure love to him. He loved the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his strength, and with all his mind. Every moment he was here on this earth, that's what he did. He never sinned and therefore when he died, he was not taking the price for his sins. He was taking the price for our sins. He paid the price for our sins. Christ died for our sins. And then it says that Christ was buried. That's to fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament. It's confirmation that he really was dead. That he he, he really did stop breathing. That he had paid that, that full price. He had experienced it all. And therefore sin could be completely dismissed. He was buried and then it it says that he also rose again. God raised him from the dead. That is the proof that not only that Jesus died and paid it all, but that God accepted that sacrifice because he raised his son from the dead and Christ is alive today and will answer that prayer that any lost person prays when they ask the Lord to come into their heart and to save them. There is no God like our God. There is no Savior like our Savior that not only died, but he rose from the dead for the payment of our sins and he did all this according to the scriptures. That was God plan from the very beginning from the moment that man sinned even before man sinned because God knew that man would sin he had put this plan into action he made man he loved man man chose what was wrong and God put a plan together that would redeem man from his sin and it works that's the gospel that is what Jesus has done for each one of us do you understand that? I've had the opportunity really over the, this summer and several different occasions in Honduras and even here in Florence to, to share that good news with people. Had the opportunity this week to share that with, with someone and to see the light come on. And maybe you're here today and the light's coming on. Because see, this was not only God's plan from the beginning 
for Jesus to die for your sins and to be raised from the dead that we might have full redemption. But it was God's plan in bringing you here today to hear this message and to receive the gift of salvation that he has for you. We're gonna look at some more scripture in just a moment, but right now, I just want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. And maybe you've been religious, maybe you've been baptized many times, maybe your name's on a church roll, but none of those things will save you. Only the blood of Jesus can save you. And if you're here today, regardless of how religious you might be or how irreligious or non-religious you might be, Jesus will save you. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? And then do you believe that Jesus is able and willing to give you eternal life? If you believe that and you've never received that gift of salvation, you can do that right now. Just as your head is bowed, just from your heart, cry out to Jesus and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from you. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sin and save my soul. Jesus, I believe in you. And right now, I give my life to you. Hear my cry. Save my soul. And I will live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're going to have an invitation in just a little bit. And I encourage you to come let me or Brother Matt or Brother Jerry or let one of the staff know what this decision that you've made. And let us help you with those next steps because that is not the end. That's just the beginning of new life in Christ. And for those of you that have already received that gift of salvation and that know Jesus, let's share him with others. I just laid it out there. It's, it's the simple gospel message. And it doesn't, you don't have to cover every detail that I covered. You don't have to do it the same way that I did. But just share the message that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus rose from the dead, and that if you put your faith in Jesus and believe in him, he will save you. He will save you. The gospel is what Jesus did. And not only is the gospel what Jesus did, but back in Romans chapter one, we see that the gospel is what saves us. Look at what he says here in verse 16, where he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also 
for the Greek. Notice the person of the gospel here. The person, it is the gospel of Christ, Jesus Christ. It is the good news about Jesus. We just talked about that. We laid it out there for you. But it's what Jesus really did for us. Jesus really did it. Jesus really paid the price. Jesus really does love us. And Jesus really will save whoever calls upon him. Jesus is the center of the gospel. It is his love that makes the gospel available to us. It is an unstoppable love. He keeps pursuing us. He keeps coming after us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for us and he wants to see us saved. It is that sacrifice of Christ that makes the gospel where it works. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that died on the cross and everything that he did, it works. It will save whoever calls upon him and therefore the result of the gospel is that Jesus gets all the glory and all the worship and all the praise for what he has done because he is worthy of it all. The person of the gospel is Christ. It's the power of the gospel. He says there, it is the power of God to salvation. It is the power of God. That word power, it is that Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It is explosive power. In other words, when you light a stick of dynamite, whatever that dynamite touches, it changes everything, all right? Everything uh, around it. It changes the landscape when dynamite goes off. Same way with Jesus. When he touches your life, when he saves your soul, it changes everything. He breaks every chain. He sets us free. He, his gospel has the power to salvation. Listen, if you've got a gospel that just saves you and doesn't change you, that's not the gospel of the Word of God. That's, that's not the gospel of the New Testament. That's not the gospel that we find in the, the Bible. And that's not a powerful gospel. The true gospel is the power of God to salvation. Understand the gospel is not given just to affirm us and to celebrate who we are and to empower us to do whatever we've always wanted to do. The gospel is given to transform us and to rescue us and to empower us to do everything that God wants us to do. That's the power of the gospel. And then notice the purpose of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation. The gospel produces salvation. That is why we have the gospel is that we need to be saved. We need to be saved. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're saved from some things. We're saved from an eternity without Christ. We are saved from the power of hell. We are saved from an eternal death away from Christ. We are saved from the punishment of our sin. We are saved from the wrath of God. That's what the gospel, that's what Jesus did. He took the pay for our sin so that we can be saved from all of those things that he experienced there on the cross. But not only are we saved from, but we're also saved to. We're saved away from hell, but we're saved to heaven and eternal life with Christ. We are saved to cleansing and a pure and holy heart. We are saved to a life of victory. We are saved to a life of freedom. We are saved to God, to having a relationship with God and his son Jesus through the Holy 
Holy Spirit who has given us at the mo- given to us the moment that we are saved. We have a relationship with God. That's what it means to be saved. And it is the, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And then notice the plan of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For everyone who believes. Doesn't matter if you're Jew, doesn't matter if you're Greek, doesn't matter if you're black, doesn't matter if you're white, doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're poor, doesn't matter if you've got a doctorate or you're uneducated. The gospel is for everyone who believes. I'm so thankful for that old King James word, whosoever. (laughs) Whosoever means me. It includes me. It includes each and every one of us. Each and every one of us can believe in Jesus if we choose to believe. Therefore, when you share the gospel to anyone, with anyone, you're sharing with some, to someone who can be saved. That's the plan of the gospel. It's for everyone who believes. We can believe We can put our faith in him. We try to add works onto it, but there is no need for any other works. When when Paul was there and the Philippian jailer came to him, when the the miracle happened there there in, in, in Philippi, and he came to him and he said, what must I do to be saved? Paul didn't give him a long list. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That was it. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will have, shall not perish but have eternal life. Believe. Do you truly believe in him? Now understand, when we're talking about belief, we're talking about more than just a head knowledge that you believe that it's true. And we're certainly talking about more than just a temporary trial uh, that, that we're just gonna give it a shot and see how it works out. No, we're talking about absolute surrender. True faith in God, where we believe in him, we believe in everything that he is, and we bow the knee to him in faith, believing in Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord of lords and King of kings. That's the plan of the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus did. The gospel is what saves us. And finally, the gospel is what we live for. That's why we're still breathing on this earth. Because if it was just about that we needed to get better or learn more, we could go to heaven and get better and learn more. We are left here to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Once you're saved, you don't immediately go to heaven. You stay here to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The gospel, listen, we, we need to get this. The gospel is what we ought to be living for. The gospel is what we live for. Notice what Paul says here. Three I am statements that he makes. First of all, in verse 14, he says, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and unwise. He says, I am a debtor. What is he saying? He's saying, my life is a life of worship to my Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything I do, he is what I live for, and I live for the the chance to tell others about him. When he says, I'm a debtor, he says, I have a personal 
obligation to tell people about Jesus, to share the gospel with those that, that, that don't know Jesus. Why? I've, I'm indebted. First of all, we're indebted to our Savior. We're indebted to our Savior. He paid the sacrifice for us. He gave his life for us. He died on Calvary's cross for us. And so we owe him everything. We owe him our lives. We owe him every moment of every day. We ought to be give everything we do ought to be lived out in worship for him. And by the way, witnessing is worshiping. Singing is a way that we can worship, but witnessing is an act of worship unto our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is. And by the way, if all you do is sing and worship and you never, never worship in obedience to Christ, witnessing to others, then your singing worship is not worship. It's kind of like what the Lord said in the Old Testament said to obey is better than sacrifice. And so we owe it to our Savior. We owe it to our Lord, speaking of obedience. Once you give your life to Jesus, once you've been saved by the gospel and you've surrendered your life to him, you've bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. He is your master. He is the one that's on the throne, whether we acknowledge him or not, but he is on the throne and he is to be on the throne of our heart. That means we must obey him out of love to him because of all that he's done for us, but we walk out obedience. And in case you haven't read it, time and time again, Jesus said, we're to go and we're to be witness. He said, go and make disciples of all nations that we were to go and to, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, uh, teaching them all things whatsoever he has, has taught unto us. And so we're commanded to, to do that. We're commanded to go and to preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus also said that repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name. There in John, when he met with the disciples and he told them and he tells us, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And the very last word that Jesus in his earthly body spoke here on this earth before he ascended to heaven. He said, you shall be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's at least five times he told us to go and to preach the gospel, to be a witness. We are a debtor. Not only debtors to our Savior and Lord, that's enough. Listen, we are debtors to the world around us. Sin is real, and we've got the answer. Holiness is real, and we've got the solution. Hell is real, and we've got the escape. Salvation is real, and we have the gospel. We need to be living a life of worship because we're debtors. I'm a debtor. Then the second statement he makes, look down in verse 16. We just read it just a moment ago. He says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So we not only have a life of worship, but we ought to be living a life of victory as well. See, when we're ashamed, 
and we're not faithful and we're not walking in obedience to this command and to other commands as well. We're living a life of defeat and God has saved us to live a life of victory. The word ashamed, the root of the word ashamed here literally means loss. It means that we, to be ashamed means that we're, we're losing something, that we have lost something. You know, we talk about the walk of shame. That usually means that you lost, you're a loser. And that's the way it is. If we're, if we're living a life of shame, if we're living a life of fear, then, then we've lost. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't lose your courage. Don't lose out on the, the heart for God that, that was willing to do whatever he's told us to do because you love him. Yes, it's, I, there, there's some fear in, involved in that, but we step out in faith, overcoming that fear because we love him. Don't lose heart. Don't lose courage. Don't lose out on the opportunity. We may not have another opportunity. So when the opportunity presents itself, the Holy Spirit says, share. Let's go ahead in his power and in his strength and in his boldness, share the truth of the gospel. Because we certainly don't want to lose their souls. And no one can be saved apart from the gospel. The gospel must be proclaimed. The gospel must be shared. I remember when I was just a high school student, God burdened my heart to be a witness. And uh, one of the things that he used was a, a former high school student that uh, had played, actually played ball with my brother. And, all, and when I was young, my dad was coaching. My brothers were playing and I was keeping the scorebook and and so I was I was around the ball team all the time and and so this guy this guy was a neat guy he was a great ball player but he was also just a the kindest neatest I mean just he was a truly a Christian and it showed and he came back when I was in high school and spoke to our FCA and this is the illustration that he shared and, and maybe you've heard it before where he talks about getting into going into to heaven and everybody celebrating and, and, and everything. And you're there and you see some of your friends and all that and you're enjoying your time in heaven and yet you're close enough that you can see the gates outside of heaven and you look out and you see one of your friends coming and, and you go, yes, here comes a, another friend and everything. But when he gets the gate, they stop him and says, you can't go in. And he looks over there and sees you and says, hey, but they're there. Why can't I go? My friend's over there and stuff. And then they look at you and say, is this true? Is this your friend? And you say, yeah, that's, that's my friend. Sure, let him on in. They say, no, come here. And you come and they say, you take his hand and you go throw him into hell because you wouldn't share the gospel with him. This is serious stuff. We must experience this life of victory and depend on the Holy Spirit of God and walk in obedience to God and say, I am a debtor and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the third I am, back in verse 15, he says, I am ready. He says, so as much as is in me, I am ready 
to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And I already know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, I just need to study more. I need to hear some more sermons. I need to read some more books, and then I will get ready. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about being prepared. The word here for ready doesn't mean to be completely prepared. It means to be eager. It means to be anticipating. It means to be excited. That's when he says, I'm ready. He's saying, I'm chomping at the bit to share the gospel with you. He's not, see, it's not talking about a head issue here. It's talking about a heart issue here that he is passionate in in doing this. And so this is where we gotta be, where we're living a life of worship, a life of victory, and a life on mission for him, where we are debtors, yes, and we're not ashamed, and we are ready and eager to share the gospel. The biggest challenge that we have that keeps us from sharing the gospel with those around us is our own hearts. We're not walking with God. We're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not living a servant life. We're not obeying the scripture and and reading the word of God and studying the word of God and molding our life and letting God change our life. We're not living a life of prayer like we should be. When we get all that together, we will be ready to share the gospel. God's given us a mouth. Why has he given us this mouth? to praise him and to proclaim him to others. That's why we have a voice. We need to be sharing the gospel. Well, there's a lot more I could say, but let me wrap this up with, with just share a brief story. And it's, it's been a little while, so I, I I'm, don't remember uh, all the, the details of this, but a while back when we were at a previous church that... Um, our youth had gone on a trip and Missy had gone with them as a chaperone. And I don't remember, they had some free time or something. I don't remember exactly what they were, were doing, but they, they had some free time and they, they were at this park there. And, and while the kids were kind of running around doing some different things, Missy saw a, a gentleman that was sitting on a, a park bench there. And so she went over and sat down and started talking to this man. His name was Clarence and Make a long story short, Missy ended up sharing the gospel with this man. And he needed Jesus. And after she shared the gospel, it was just a divine appointment. And she asked him if he would like to pray and give his life to Christ. He said, I sure would. He said, before I do that, let me tell you this. He said, my wife has been praying for 45 years that I would be saved. And what you said just makes so much sense. And it is way past time I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And he did. And he went home and told his wife, and there was some rejoicing in that home. Some of you here this morning have been praying a long time for a child, for a brother, for a sister for a neighbor, for a friend. God's not giving up on them. Don't you give up on them. Keep praying. Take every opportunity you can to share the life-changing gospel with those that are lost.
This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.